intro. I haven't heard a, an organ for a while. Um, I, I said this early in the series, but uh, I don't know about you, but stained glass uh, triggers me. <laughs> and some of our 20-year-olds were like, no, no, it's very vintage. Uh, but for if you're my age or you grew up in a context that was a little more religious, um, I hope that's not bothering you. I hope, I hope you can see that behind it is this idea of discovering who you really are. And Gateway Dripping Springs, we're so glad to have you these next few weeks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And Gateway South, you'll love getting to know some of these folks, and uh, we're just excited to be together. Like a reunion, right? Without the bad potluck. <laughs> and uh, Well, this series, I think, has been uh, one of my favorites, because I feel like this is a place where the enemy can really come after us. Not understanding who we are can be one of the biggest reasons we mess up, we struggle. And so today, we're looking at who I will be. But before we jump into that, I want to just pose a question. I want you to come up with an answer, and you're going to need an answer quickly. So you have 10 seconds to choose exactly what you would do if you were the winner of a million dollars. Do you have an answer? Did it come to you quick? You've been thinking about this for a long, long time? <laughs> See, what happens is when we're, by the way, it's improbable someone will give you a million dollars. And if they did, they'd probably give you longer time to think about it. But when you have kind of this short moment like this, your answer is directly tied to you. It, it could be you're thinking immediately of your financial situation, your family situation, your future goals, but it can be tied into you, where you're at, who you are. But you can't help but bring yourself to the decision-making table. But, but see, what we're talking about today is that all of us have some brokenness, and what God wants to do is bring all of ourselves to the table, to become whole, to become mature. So let's take it out of the realm of me giving you a million dollars. It's the state of Texas now. You're going to win the lottery. Just imagine you win the lottery, a million dollars. By the way, I'm not advocating to actually play the lottery. Uh, but if you were to win it, how would you feel those first 10 seconds when you heard you won a million dollars? Feel good, right? Now I want you to think for a moment. How would you feel in those first 10 seconds after you heard five years from now that you've spent it all? You know, 70% of lottery winners spend it all in five years. It's gone. And we don't want to be a statistic. We don't want to be someone who loses it all, doesn't take advantage of the opportunities, right? We want to prove the naysayers wrong. We want to be the anomaly. We want to beat the odds. If somehow we can understand that when we come to the table with just our broken selves, we're missing out on the wholeness of what God wants to do in our lives who he wants us to be, who he's created us to be. There's a really important passage where Jesus walks through what it means to really follow after him. Mark 8 says this, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? See, what Jesus is saying is we might pursue that million dollars. We might dream of winning the lottery. 
But there's something far more significant about each and every one of us, and that's our soul. And to discover who we really are requires actually dying to what we think is most important. Surrendering is another way to say it. On this journey of exploring God, we discover more and more God's nature, but we also are made aware of our own nature. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how much needs to change within you. Sometimes we don't realize the blind spots, the holes that are in our life. God's desire is to help you see that. In fact, I want to give you an exercise. I bet none of you did this at Thanksgiving, but I want to encourage you to try it at Christmas. Right in the middle of the meal, as everybody's eating and everybody's, you're able to get everyone's attention, just say, hey, I want to just interrupt for a second. Would any of you have any feedback about any of my blind spots? <laughs> I bet you'd get a whole bunch of things you didn't even know about yourself in that moment. Or, or maybe a safer environment is to go to the cousin you like or the sister that knows you well and ask them. We all have blind spots, every one of us, getting in the way of what God wants to do in us and through us. And so today we're going to talk about who I will be is directly tied to God's desire for us to be whole, complete, or mature is how that word is often translated. We're going to look at the message in three parts. There's a part of life where you're searching before Jesus. That's who I was. There's a part of life when you've said yes to Jesus, you're now growing in Christ. That's who I am. And then there's also eternally with Christ, who I will be. See, if God is truly in the business of making us whole, then he helps us by understanding, by helping us understand where we're falling short. That we might be more reconciled, not just to him, but to the image of God. And then he brings us to maturity. One of my favorite passages that I go to when I'm discouraged is 2 Corinthians 4. I want to take you to that. And I want you to think for a moment, the context is Paul... uh, a church planter, has spent time in Corinth, he started a church, and now he's heard they're having a hard time, so he's written them a letter, trying to encourage them not to give up, to, to remember who they are. And here's what he says. This is a message we can also hear for ourselves. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, this opportunity to do life together, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. That's a great description of who I was. Next, we're going to jump into the section where he talks about who I am, what we're facing in this broken world. He says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And then who I will be. Therefore, do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly right now we are wasting away, yet inwardly we can be renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So first we're talking about who I was. He said, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. See, this little phrase is so power-packed, especially when we use it as a filter for how we see our life when we're disconnected from following Jesus. Just because you say, yes, I'm following Jesus, doesn't mean you're actually letting him lead you throughout the day. Have you discovered that? And so you could be truly committed to following Jesus, but forget to even connect with him or pray or ask for wisdom or guidance or even wonder if this is the right decision and wander down that path. So when we're disconnected from God, we end up keeping secrets. Now, we might disguise it as saying we're just private, introverted people or we don't want to overshare. But our, our nature is to be secretive about the toxic and unhealthy patterns in our life. And it could be that we're not really self-aware enough to even know what those are, or it could be that the level of shame that we have is beyond what we're willing to let others know about. See, our secrets lead to shame, and shame keeps us hidden from not only the truth, but people who are truth-tellers, or sometimes even the ability to recognize truth. And we talked last week how shame can connect to our identity. It can actually keep us stuck because we believe things about ourselves that are not what God would say about us. See, when we're disconnected from Jesus, if we're not careful, we can be deceivers. Not only deceiving those around us, but even deceiving ourselves. What is that area of struggle that you've kept hidden? Don't worry, we're not going to reveal it right now on the count of three or anything quite like that. But I want you to think about what that struggle is that you've not yet shared with someone that you care about and someone who cares for you. We call it running partners. In fact, the other day, someone new to Gateway was at our recovery night, which we call Restore on Mondays. And she heard about running partners and was really concerned because she just wanted help with healing. She didn't want to start running. Like, that's not what she wanted. But we're talking about more running life together. You need, you and I need others to do life with us, to have someone that we can share all of what's happening in our life with and someone we're willing to listen to. It, it, it could be you struggle with binge eating or, or hooking up with random people or looking at things online. There are things that we all are tempted towards and it may be that those are the most obvious to us, that we know we need to talk about with somebody, we need help for. But there may be other things that are not as obvious, those blind spots or even those thoughts in our mind, those agreements that we've come to believe that aren't from God. The scriptures have a really disgusting way to describe this struggle that's in our lives. And we're not eating right now, so I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. But it's from Proverbs 26. But I'm warning you, it's gross. Probably the grossest verse in the Bible. It says this, as a dog returns to its vomit. That's gross. 
So fools repeat their folly. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Basically, when you see yourself as wise in your own eyes, but no one's coming to you for advice, you're actually more of a fool than you realize. And when you keep doing the same things that you know are going to be destructive, it's like a dog that goes back and eats its vomit. Isn't that gross? That is so disgusting. But how accurate is it? How true is it? This weekend was, you know, a difficult time for some of us. Some of us had a great Thanksgiving. Some of us, it's just hard, right? For different reasons. And for, for me, I, I'm a part of Restore on Monday nights. And so we do this thing where we give out chips. Uh, it's not like chips and salsa. It's like a, it looks like a little poker chip, which I'm not sure if that's a good idea for someone struggling with gambling. I, have, I don't know what the alternative might be. But you get a chip for like 10 years of sobriety, whether you're not drinking anymore or you haven't done hard drugs anymore. Like it's, it's for some sort of designation of sobriety. And it could be year, years of celebration. It could be just months of celebration. But there's a, another chip that you can get for, it's called a promise chip. It's for saying, you know what, I'm committed to, to have this as my so, sobriety date. And I'm going through restore and recovery because of my struggles in the past. I thought it was a short temper, but behind that was really control issues. And I think that after watching my dad slowly decline and then eventually pass away in September, I just think some of those control issues have kicked back up. And so oftentimes we give up. Like the sobriety date is actually for something that's really a symptom. And so, but it's still a way to measure progress, right? And so I picked up a sobriety chip the other day, a promise chip. I didn't want to binge eat anymore. I didn't want to binge on my phone anymore. I don't want to binge Netflix anymore. Those are things that I go to when I'm stressed out. And instead of going... To my prayer closet, I go to the pantry, for example. And so I got my little sobriety chip, my promise chip, and I was doing so well. And then there was Wednesday night, which was the night, first night we had a, a first day, we had a big meal. And it was, you know, a Thanksgiving, and I did not fall. I was so excited, so proud. Probably the first Thanksgiving in my life that I didn't go into a food coma, right? And then the next day, everything, again, went really well. I was really proud of myself until the stressful football game. And, and what happened is I actually went to the pantry. It wasn't even the actual Thanksgiving meal that put me over the top. I ate too much. It was the stupid pantry. You see my mom, I was at her house. She likes all the same things I like. Sugary, crunchy, sweet, and they're all in that beautiful pantry. I open the door and the light comes on. You can almost hear, oh, you know, it's one of those kind of moments. And I was so disappointed because when I eat too much, I can't go to sleep at night. I don't sleep very much. And the next day I'm grumpy. And next day I'm struggling with control. Like it's a, it's a cycle. And I, I had this moment. I was like, oh, my gosh, I blew it. I have to start afresh. I might as well just bring back my promise chip and turn it in, right? promise broken. But that's not how it works. You see, then I just had to make Friday as my new start date. And man, I did great on Friday. And then there was Saturday. And it wasn't even again the food at the extended Bryant family lunch. 
I was fine there. It was when I got home. And I was overwhelmed with just all the things, the, the drama of the day and the potential drama. Have you ever come home from extended family worn out? You didn't even do anything other than just walk on eggshells, which takes a lot of muscle strength, right? And it was the same thing. The pantry, it haunts me. I blew it yesterday. So today is my new start day. See, what happens is you can cheer for that. We can all start afresh. I need the encouragement. But here's what happens. When you, when you relapse, that's what that's called. You relapse, you start over. And you try to go a little bit longer. What if I made it all the way instead of two weeks? What if I made it all the way to Christmas? I'm not saying I'm going to blow it on Christmas, but I kind of know myself. And I'm hedging my bets here. I don't want to. I'm just saying. But what if I did? That would be a huge streak. That would be incredible. See, when you and I blow it, what happens is we start believing the lie like, I'm never going to get better, so I might as well just keep doing it. Whatever your issue might be. But when we can bring it into the light and we have other people, a group, running partners, people who are cheering for us, rooting for us, there for us so that we can call them in the midst of a temptation, we'll be amazed at the progress that we can make. Well, second comes growing in Christ. It's the second phase. It's about who I am. And you heard in that letter, Paul is saying, we're like jars of clay holding this treasure. The spirit of God comes to live within us when we say yes to following Jesus. This all surpassing power lives within us. And yet we find ourselves hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. You could be going through the worst season of your life, but I want to remind you, you're still alive. There is always hope. And then he goes into this section about how they carry around within them the death of Jesus. And and this whole idea of being given over to death for Jesus' sake. He's basically just repeating what Jesus said about if you follow me, then you need to die to self. See, the world tells us, If it feels good, do it. Do whatever makes you happy. The problem with that is we don't know what's best for us. What we feel and what we think and what makes us happiest is not always what's best for us. That third piece of pumpkin pie might feel good, but it's not what's best for us. See, Jesus warned us this life would be hard and he gave us a path. Just die to self. Don't trust yourself. Trust me, and I'll guide you. Now, in March of 2020, we can all probably remember what it was like to be on lockdown during the pandemic. And when it first happened, you remember how scary it was? We didn't even know what was causing the spread. And so, you know, my wife takes rules very seriously, and Our son is immunocompromised, so we were on total lockdown. We didn't even have like a a friend family that we could be within our little bubble. It was just us, the four of us, locked down, tight. And then I had to go speak on a Sunday morning up north. This is when we were all online. Remember when it was fun to watch online? And you actually did, you know, uh, with the family around the TV, not just laying in bed, like barely awake. And so 
I had to leave the house for the first time. And my wife was really nervous. And I was going to go and speak about dying to self. Felt like a literal opportunity. <laughs> God, this might be my last message. I will give it with all my heart. And so not to be foolhardy, and again, we're taking this seriously, and I don't mean to make jokes about it, but if you look at this picture, you, you might remember those moments. This is me up at Gateway North. Now, what you can't tell, that's not one of those little ones. That's a mass Bane style, right, with the little filters on the side until we found out that wasn't safe, right? But I had the full-on gear. If I had a hazmat suit, my wife would have had me wear it. But in the midst of that message, what dawned on me was it's easier to risk your life. It's harder to die to self when it comes to my wants, my feelings, my thoughts. So how do we let go of self? Well, during that message, I gave a little acrostic to help us remember. Letting go of self means letting go of selfishness, ego, labels, and fear. Selfishness, ego, labels, and fear. Those four things get in the way of becoming complete, whole, mature. They keep us stuck. And it's counterintuitive when we hear Jesus say that if you really want to live, you need to die to self. But what that means is simply allowing him to guide us in our lives, allowing him to be the one we follow after. See, when we live for self, it's important to remember that all that we live for eventually dies. But when we die to self, to live for God, then God can multiply our lives into the lives of others beyond our lifetime and even into eternity. When we let go of self, we actually have the opportunity to become who we're truly created to be, free from the struggles, free from the distractions. See, you and I were created to love God and love people. We are not designed to just take care of ourselves. We're designed for relationship, to be there for others, to have others be there for us. See, the true freedom in letting go and dying to self means you step into this experience where you don't have to prove anything or, or make anything of yourself. It's a surrender and a trust that your worth is not in what you do, but who you are to God. See, the amazing irony of dying to self is that then you're free to be fully yourself, to try things, risk things, use your gifts, and even do more than you ever dreamed, but out of a fullness of being who God created you to be. When you leave today, you're going to receive one of these little cards. It's a bookmark, but I know many of us don't read, right? We know how to read, we just don't. The old style bookmark is you put it in a book that you're reading, and you might be spending weeks reading that book, and every time you see the bookmark, it's a reminder. So if you're not a big reader and don't want to use it as a bookmark, maybe you put it somewhere you'll see it every day, on the mirror in the morning, getting ready. That's a great place, reminding of who you really are, not what you think or feel when you're looking in the mirror. In fact, to help us remember who we are, According to God, because his view of us is what matters most, I want us to read through this together. 
And I want you to hear this. And you might be saying it, wanting it to be true, but knowing it's not. And, and I want you to know that this is how God sees you. And when you say yes to following him, you become his child, his son, his daughter. If you've ever had kids, or if your kids are little even now, you see more in them than they see in themselves, don't you? I mean, they can be quite selfish when they're born. Have you noticed that? They seem to be so needy. Like, they need us all the time. They even need us to help them go to the bathroom, right? But here's what's amazing. As a child grows, a child can become more not just aware of the surroundings, but that they have a part to play in helping others. See, even when your kid was at his or her neediest, you still loved them and saw them as in process. That's how God sees you. So read this with me with a measure of faith that this is who God sees you to be. Ready? Let's read it together. I am infinitely loved by God. I am chosen and celebrated. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am worthy of the best that God has for me. With him, I have everything that I need. He never leaves me or forsakes me. I am able to do hard things because the Lord is with me. I am not my past, and I am hopeful for the future. I am forgiven. I am free. I love the people God has put around me. I'm here to be a blessing to them. I choose to live a generous life. I am a grateful person. God's spirit makes me powerful, not fearful. He hears me when I call and he answers me. When I turn to him, he makes me new, good, and holy. I am free from the pressure to perform because I am saved by grace. I am valuable and confident. I am victorious. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's who God says you are. So when you leave this place and you have these negative thoughts, or even now as you hear this little inner critic telling you that's not true, at the Bryant Extended Family, I was talking with one of my cousins, and we realized critique is like our love language. We don't enjoy hearing it, but we sure love giving it. But you know what? Sometimes we can be the harshest critic of ourselves. Why not live as if what God says is true? He has a whole lot more knowledge of you than you do. He can be trusted, you and I struggle to even trust ourselves. So when you feel, have thoughts that tell you otherwise, go back to remember who God says you are. All these sentences are just ripped right out of the scriptures, reminding us of what God says is true about us. And when we can operate knowing who we are, it's out of the overflow that we're able to bring life and freedom to those around us. And finally, who I will be eternally with Christ. Now, I grew up Southern Baptist, and it felt like every Sunday our pastor would give a little 
message and then the last few minutes were turned into heaven and hell. Which do you choose? If you were to die tonight. Every night I was afraid. Every night. You know, if you were to die tonight, why is it at night? You know, it's gonna, something terrible is going to happen. But see, I didn't understand that heaven and hell, it, it, it's, it's, it's far more than what it sounded like. You live your life however you want, and then just as long as you get things straightened out right before you go, then, whoo, close call. <laughs> but actually, listen to what eternal life actually is. Jesus says this. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, you and I have the opportunity to experience heaven on earth. It's stepping into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, to experience the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness and the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control that he offers us. We can experience heaven on earth, and we can bring heaven to earth wherever we go. And then eternity is just a continuation of that, but without all the junk, all the struggle eliminated. See, eternal life is the reward for being an overcomer. It's the reward for a life in Jesus. It's about healing and about spiritual bodies being free from pain and sickness. Eternal life is about final freedom from evil's attack on who we truly are in God's eyes. But there's also something really unique. The scriptures tell us that when we step into eternity in God's presence, you and I will have a new name. Have you ever had a nickname given to you by someone that cares for you? A little pet name. Maybe it's from a grandfather or a sister. Maybe it's your spouse. The scriptures tell us that God has a name that fits you. He's chosen just for you. Listen to what it says here in Revelation 2. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. The one who created you loves you, chose you, before you were even born, had a plan for you. He offers you a new life, following after him, freeing you from the struggles of life, becoming more and more like his son, Jesus. And our reward is getting to be with him forever. He has a new name for you and for me. When we choose to follow him, everything changes. We are not who we think we are. In Christ, we are a child of the King. With that in mind, the band is going to sing a song, a new song for us. And I want you to hear these lyrics as a reminder of what's true. Because of what Jesus has done for us, when we follow Him, He makes us good. We become holy. And with his help, we can start to live that way. Let's listen with open hearts. 